Welcome to Prep Talk, the emergency management podcast. Find out what you need to know about preparedness, get all the latest tips from experts in the field, and learn what to do before the next disaster strikes. From the emergency management department in the city that never sleeps, here are your hosts. Hello, everyone. Thank you for listening. I'm Allison Panisi. And I'm Brian Fargnoli. And you are our listeners. And as always, we thank you for joining us. We want you to come back as often as you can. So feel free to listen to Prep Talk on your favorite podcast provider. You can also follow us on social media on our Twitter at NYC Emergency MGT, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and much more. In recognition of National Volunteer Month, we are joined by two special guests who will share how volunteers have and continue to be a vital part of New York City's communities. Please welcome Mariah Washington, Director of Community Engagement at New York City Emergency Management, and Laura Rogg, Acting Chief Service Officer at NYC Service. Thank you both for joining us. Let's get started. So can you each describe your role and what led you to your current role? Mariah, let's start with you. Thank you, Allison. Um, So my current role as Director of Community Engagement allows me to lead a team in engaging our community in faith-based networks, organizations throughout the five boroughs of New York City. Um, And we naturally are helping communities prepare, respond, and recover from emergencies. And so we use our awesome Community Emergency Planning Toolkit to really guide our trainings, to, to equip partners to really know like how to prepare. So let's organize ourselves how do we organize ourselves? All right, let's let's create a map. Let's let's see where our resources are. Where are our resource guides? Um, how do how do we how are we going to communicate with each other? We outline all those elements for our partners so that when not if the emergency happens, they truly are able to stand and rise for their community in the midst of that emergency. Coming to emergency management, I I came with a lot of experience, um, AmeriCorps with City Year, with Citizen Schools, Peace Corps in Costa Rica, and working with young people and parents and community organizers throughout the nation, um, and really just always building community, always being a resource and connecting people to resources. Um, So for me, it was a, a nice fit coming to emergency management because I get to connect I get to connect organizations and leaders to resources. I get to connect their knowledge and their best practices to other organizations who may be emerging. Um, so it's a, it's a common thread within my life's work is connecting with others, serving with others, and being a resource. Wonderful. Laura, what about you? Thanks so much, Allison. So glad to be here with everybody today. Um, so for uh, listeners, if you don't know, NYC Service is a division of the mayor's office, um, and we really do a wide range of work to build partnerships and resources to expand volunteering and service throughout the city. So um, in my day-to-day now as as acting chief service officer, I get to lead a really fantastic staff um, where we drive strategy and programs to support the city and address its greatest needs through volunteering and service. So that goes from everywhere from, um, we have a a pretty large part of our staff works on AmeriCorps programs and placing AmeriCorps members. Um, We also have staff who really work on nonprofits and supporting nonprofits and communities corporate partners and corporate volunteering and businesses, um, as well as just so much other work, you know, great work that's really going on, um, especially in youth development and and those pieces. So, um, you know, my experience, I've worked now under three chief service officers at NYC Service. And a lot of the work that I've personally done has been to help develop strategy around engagement, um, 
So including emergency response, which is why, you know, obviously I think I'm probably here today and can talk more about that. Um, also youth leadership, community support, and coordinating research um, around engagement that I'll talk about a little bit um, today. So I started my career um, very similar to Mariah. I was in AmeriCorps VISTA um, now almost 20 years ago, which seems like a lifetime ago. But it really led me to a career that has revolved around youth service and service learning. So doing things where, um, you know, really working to expand, especially youth and family opportunities um, that nonprofits are, are offering um, for people to serve um, and just doing a lot of work around the country on um, those types of things. So, you know, I was pretty fortunate that years ago I actually managed um, AmeriCorps members from one of our programs, from our Civic Corps program. So that's how I was, uh, I had really connected to NYC service and really jumped at the chance to join the team, um, you know, when, when they were looking at, at different things in this, what was at that point, the new administration, um, almost eight years ago. Thank you both for, uh, for highlighting how you got here and, and some of the amazing work you guys are doing. Um, one thing we often discuss on Prep Talk is involving the whole community in preparedness and resilience. Can you talk to us about how your teams are achieving this with volunteers? Yeah, I can go ahead and get started with NYC Service because really this has been absolutely the entirety of our last year in COVID response. So I think that we've really seen residents have stepped up in so many ways throughout the pandemic, um, you know, and beyond. And, you know, seeing things like the outpouring of support around things for around food access, social supports, finding vaccine appointments is really big right now. Um, I've also seen so much in the last few weeks about serving as, you know, partners for people to walk to the subway and provide safety, especially with, you know, uh, kind of the wave of violence happening right now um, and supporting the Asian American community. So all of these things, um, you know, and, and including into that, I think resilience also with, um, you know, Black Lives Matter, a lot of the, the things that have been going on over the last um, year or so and really come to a head in the last year or so that we just see constantly resilience is inherent in our communities. Um, you know, after every disaster the city's seen, it's ultimately been our residents who are banding together to support each other um, in New York City communities. So I think what we really see at NYC Service is that our work is to leverage this and to help people find opportunities to get involved in, in different ways um, if they're not able to find them on their own. And then also just going out to really support this resilience um, in the communities itself through funding and resources and trainings and other supports. And with our New York City Emergency Management Community Engagement Team, um, we often see within our communities um, people rising and shining. And so I always say, you need, if you see a need, feel a need. And that is the power of community organizers, um, our local hyper-local level community organizations and faith-based groups are standing in the gap. If they are at vaccine pod sites and helping their older adults register and they see that there's a language access gap, they're filling that gap in the, in the meanwhile. And they're also reaching back to us and saying, hey, just so you know, like we're, we're experiencing this challenge at the pod site. And so we're trickling that information up. So we're, we're tapping into our relationships with our community partners as they fill in the needs within their community. Um, but we also recognize that there have been several different just emerging groups. Mutual aids have been standing in the gap in phenomenal ways and then leaking themselves up with other existing emergency networks and co-ads, community organizations active in disasters throughout the city. Um, so on our end, we we counted success when we're in communication and we have relationship with these organizations who are saying, hey, 
we're responding. We've gathered some supplies, some PPE, and we're, we're getting it together. We have a, a sales spreadsheet um, tracking the hours of, of who's coming and when they're coming and, and who they're representing. And so for us, it's really awesome to see it in works. Um, before emergencies, we're often providing trainings and encouraging people, hey, get it together now. So when the emergency happens, it's easy just to fill in the blanks. And so when we see our, our local groups in East Harlem, South Bronx, um, Southern Brooklyn and Staten Island, when we see them rise and shine, it really allows us to keep going and making sure that we are polishing our trainings and our services, but more importantly, that we're that linchpin between the city and the local organization so that if they see a need and they're feeling part of that need, they can also communicate back with us what needs to be done and what's missing. I love hearing this, that there is so much coordination that is happening between city government and these these volunteer groups and these organizations. So thank you both for sharing. I want to turn my next question to Laura. Um, NYC Service is celebrating its anniversary. It's been operating for the past 12 years. And among its many accomplishments, NYC Service has worked to unite New Yorkers in service to advance lifelong civic engagement for a more equitable and inclusive city. So can you explain to our listeners how NYC Service has achieved this vision? Definitely. And I think that's such an important question and something that we think about um, on a very regular basis. And for us, it's really been shifting the focus in this administration to reaching communities with resources, as I've talked about before, um, you know, and helping people to build capacity. I think what was really fundamental for us was a door-to-door survey we did in 2017. Um, that we were um, able to go out and talk to over 850 residents and have them complete a survey on volunteering and civic behaviors. We also ran 14 focus groups and talked to, I think, over 80 people in that. And what we found through that survey, because I think traditional research, you know, always says that New Yorkers aren't as high in comparison to other cities and, you know, where people are are volunteering. Um, and we always looked around and, and knew, like, people do this all the time in New York City. So how do we like, how do we explain this? So for us, that survey really was is important because we found that residents were engaging in really important ways. Um, we did a couple things where we just added, we used kind of uh, questions that had been already used like on a national level and added in a couple more about being involved in like, uh, you know, school-based things um, for uh, for your children. But then also the really critical one was whether or not people had been engaged in activities with faith-based communities. So their house of worship, a faith-based organization in the neighborhood that they worked with. And that um, that alone tripled what, what the traditional kind of research was showing. So for us, it was, um, I think it was particularly important to see, number one, that this is how even in systems that are designed to, you know, quote unquote, help people, that there still are these institutional racism pieces in there and embedded in how we look at the ways people are engaging and, you know, and that volunteering in traditional ways is looked at as, um, you know, it's something that somebody does in their spare time after work. And there, there's a lot of, I think, privileges associated with that. And, and I think when we pursued this research, it really helped us to see um, that these, these networks are so embedded in communities already. Um, and this is wisdom, I think, probably anybody who's very involved in their community, it's not a surprise to them. But, um, you know, that that engagement is already embedded in our communities. So it's not us as the city coming in and dropping in with programs. It's us going in and just really supporting those resources and those structures um, and those things that are there already. So 
I think the ways um, that we've really looked at this and the ways that um, we've worked on it, we've really united New Yorkers with our civic impact funding. So we went um, through this funding source. We're going into to communities that already have ties to their communities. Um, we're in our second round now. We were able to give out in our first round uh, $200,000 to 20 different organizations across all five boroughs. Those organizations engaged um, over 2,100 volunteers that then in turn distributed 145,000 units of food to 50,000 households. So that support was huge. Um, and, and for us in doing that, the city was then able to get funding and food access into um, that was more culturally responsive, that was um, in areas and with people that the city doesn't already have a relationship with. So it was really a way for us, you know, as we get into this idea of equitable and inclusive, inclusive city, um, those are the ways that it's really just magnifying what's already out there. Um, and, and I think that those have been, I think, some of the most important work that we've done around those, those areas. It's incredible when you are able to apply, you know, this, this type of research and actually discover that this is in fact going on. And it's something like, you know, like you said before, that sometimes that metric, you, you know, in your heart of hearts that, you know, no, this, the city is working together to, uh, to help each other to be resilient. So thank you for sharing that. Um, that sounds like a, uh, that's a really incredible undertaking that NYC Service has done. Mariah, New York City Emergency Management has programs like the Community Emergency Response Team Volunteer Program, where volunteers participate in community preparedness and support first responders during disaster response activities. But the agency also has created several resources that are designed to support community-based and faith-based organizations before, during, and after emergencies. You actually just mentioned earlier um, the Community Emergency Planning Toolkit. Uh, so tell us more about that. Thank you. So with our Community Emergency Planning Toolkit, we break it down into three sections. What do you need to do as a network to plan before the emergency? Um, what can you anticipate in your action steps during the emergency and then considerations after? Um, and so planning before you're, you're organizing and you're documenting. We always tell our partners, document it. Don't keep the information in your head. Don't be a hoarder of information. If you were removed and your second in command was removed, can someone pick up a document and see which resources are available in the community. And so we take our community and all of New, York, New Yorkers who attend through a process where they are able to document what their resources are. They're able to list out those resources, list out their, their contacts, their point of contacts information and share it within their networks. Um, also just creating a plan in terms of how are you gonna manage donations and volunteers? Um, we, we've seen it a couple of years ago, there was a major fire in the Bronx and there were tons of clothes that were donated that filled the gymnasium in the Bronx. And that was an abundance of people saying, hey, I'm going to give back, but really having a plan so that when people say, I want to give some clothes, actually, we're not accepting clothes right now. We're accepting um, funds, personal essentials like diapers, um, baby wipes, um, deodorant, feminine products really having that structure before so that when the emergency happens, you don't have this emergency amnesia of, I don't remember anything. Um, and so we take people through that journey. This past September during National Preparedness Month, we did a series and we broke up that, that planning toolkit up into a training for each week. 
Um, traditionally, we do two half days for organizations. And even right now, Allison, we, we have a phenomenal opportunity in which we're engaging nine very hyper-local networks throughout New York City. And we're, we're calling it Strengthening Communities Through Recovery. And we're taking them deliverable by deliverable. So what's a needs assessment? What does that look and feel like? Why is it important? What's a resource guide and community mapping? What's the so what behind that? What is a communication strategy? What does it look and feel like to have a communication strategy? What does it look and feel like to be able to organize and know what your plan is for donations and volunteer management? And then ultimately, we're leading them to this path that they can have a super phenomenal emergency plan for their community. And that means that when the emergency hits, whether it be a major fire, a pipe explosion, anything, that they're able to respond and say, hey, we know who lives in this building. We have a WhatsApp group and we're able to contact 250 of the residents immediately. Nysum, do you have any specific information that we can share with them before we onboard them? Oh, and by the way, we know that there's three languages spoken in this building. So for us, it's really success for us means that organizations, networks throughout the communities really know how to rise and shine. We're not asking them to be emergency managers. We're asking them to be prepared within their leadership roles. Um, many of them are already active in their leaders, whether it's anti-violence groups, whether they're um, a housing association. And so we're saying, hey, you're already organized. What are your considerations around preparing for emergencies and having these tools ready so that when the next emergency happens, you're ready? Mariah, that was really a wonderful explanation of the toolkit and, and its capabilities. I've gotten to uh, see your unit do those trainings in person. And it's really been awesome to watch how much communities know about what their needs are and then be able to put that into action. That's really been a, a great thing to watch. So you're both involved in the city's volunteer coordination task force, which includes members of the Voluntary Organizations Active in Disaster, or VOAD, and the task force also includes uh, city government agencies. Can you share with our listeners the importance of coordinating volunteer efforts and how this group has worked together during emergencies? Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to talk a little bit about that, Brian. Um, I think, um, and I think Mariah is going to have an awful lot to add as well. It was, I think, such a big effort for all of us this year um, that the Volunteer Coordination Task Force was really developed in response after Hurricane Sandy um, and really seeing that there's always an outpouring of people who want to help and that can actually inhibit um, and overwhelm the systems that are, are trying to, to help. So, you know, how do we really take this outpouring of support and ensure people are um, being directed into ways that are, are really valuable um, in terms in terms of the response efforts. Um, and I think in in what happened during COVID, that this was the first time that we had been planning for years. We had all of our systems had developed them, but this was the first time it was actually being tested in a real real situation. Um, so a lot of what we all did is it's really um, a lot of the work is that we get so many requests in from city agency partners of needs that they're seeing. Um, in communities that they themselves are having. And so our, our group really tries to find ways to make sure that we're getting volunteers to all of these needs, um, you know, as safely and as quickly as, as possible. So I think what we saw this time was there was so much around, um, you know, food access was huge. And I'd say informally, probably 90% of our, our projects and the needs that we saw were really around food access. So how do we, how do we manage and get people there? But there are also really big things like social support. So calling seniors, um, helping families who are doing virtual learning and trying to figure out iPads from the DOE, you know, for the first time. 
So there was a lot, you know, that also went around those those pieces. So a lot of what the group does is just, you know, we take in needs like that and then figure out how do we get volunteers there. So we've got really great partners with New York Cares um, that um, that they are able to really manage a lot of this outpouring and get people in registered, trained, and then really systematically provide opportunities. Um, as well as New York Cares also is able to take in a lot of nonprofit partners who need volunteers to help them with the volunteer management process and, and bringing these volunteers in. Um, so yeah, Mariah, I know, I mean, there's so much that we've been doing, um, you know, things that you would add or, or things that we we really were able to do this last year, especially. Yeah, it, it it's always, it's not exciting to see an emergency happen, but it is exciting to see years of preparation and planning um, come together in a very fruitful way. Um, I love analogies. And I, I just think like without coordination, you you get a mess. So think about a pizza, a pizza that's for everyone. You're going to get cheese pizza because you, you don't know everyone's restrictions. Um, and you can put an extra handful of cheese and that could either make the, pee, the, the pizza very cheesy and like, oh, I can't taste the sauce. There's not a nice balance or it might fill in the gaps. And so with our volunteer coordination task force, it's really us looking at the pizza and looking at the spots where there's extra sauce and not enough cheese and us spreading it out to really be equitable, but also strategic, like Laura has mentioned, in terms of let's fill this need. Because I, I wouldn't want to imagine what it looks and feels like to have 15 volunteers show up at a storefront pantry that can only accommodate five volunteers. Now you have 10 volunteers who are frustrated. And, and they want to give up their time and they can't do that. And you want me to go to where? I'm in the Bronx. You want me to go to Manhattan? Absolutely not. And so that's the power of us making the coordination, um, reaching out to partners as well. New York Cares does a phenomenal job on the hyper local level, like listening to our partners, often wanting supplies like, hey, we need PPE. We need this. Or oftentimes us just providing resources. So with our Help Now NYC page, we're able to created the communications team at emergency management was able to create a button where you click, I'm an individual and I need, I need help or I want help. Um, and so for our organizations, we have the button of, I want to help and just providing them with tips. Like we wanted to remind volunteers of the just self-care that was necessary when they were volunteering, um, letting them know like, Hey, we can't, we can't ensure that you may not get COVID from serving others. What does that look and feel like? And so providing resources and reminding people um, self-care is really important. Fatigue is also very real in that volunteer burnout. We see it often the same um, all-stars rising and shining. Um, and you don't want people to be martyrs in terms of giving themselves so much that they fall ill or they're so exhausted that they can't be that leader in the community. And so for us, coordinating all of these efforts really help to just spread it all out to really have an amazing cheese pizza with no <laughs> no saucy spots without the cheese. <laughs> I love that analogy so much, Mariah. <laughs> I think that is how I'm going to explain this forevermore. Uh, <laughs> definitely. And I, you know, and I think just to add to what you were saying too, you know, this the other thing that I, I want to make sure we highlight is New York City VOED was also really involved in um, in the task force as well. And to Mariah's point that they, because they bring together so many organizations working on disaster and emergency response that, you know, that they really brought a lot of these concerns to us and things that they were seeing from their organizations and their collective, um, you know, so that we were able to anticipate a lot of what was going on and help with that. So to Mariah's point that we were able to offer and um, 
build out an NYC service through our partnership with uh, Thrive NYC, we actually had trainings on mental health, you know, midway through the pandemic for volunteers themselves and then people who are managing volunteers. So a lot of this just helps us to appreciate what's going on all over the place and centralize a lot of, of the resources and support. And I just want to throw in there, Laura, you know, one of the reasons why the Volunteer Coordination Task Force was smooth, um, smoother than we could have expected, was because of the pre-existing relationships. And I want to echo it because this is something that's important. If you are listening as a community leader, as a faith-based leader, and you're saying, hey, we want, we wanted to have had a better role in, in supporting our community during the emergency, and we didn't have the slightest idea, you have relationships. And it's really the power in leveraging your relationships to really make those connections, to connections to resource. And also remembering that as a human being, you are very much a resource. Um, we had so many organizations serve as educators, op- word of mouth educators, like, all right, we're going to table right here in front of the public housing and we're going to educate folks on how to take some natural steps in, in keeping their immune system boosted, but also letting them know what the city resources are if they need food or if they need mental health support. And so it, without relationships, none of this can be completed. You won't be able to organize efforts without relationships. It's with those relationships that we're able to communicate and unify with a, a single vision um, because we already have these ongoing relationships. And literally, Laura and the team and I were meeting a year prior, faithfully, just trying to polish up this volunteer coordination task force. And to me, it just seemed like a, you know, something fictitious because it's like, when are we going to use it? And then we we didn't have to dust it off because we had been studying and reviewing it so often that we shook it off. And the relationships with the um, the New York City VOAD, the relationships with the local co-ads and the other partners that we have with New York Cares, we got to bring them to the table. And that's something that's not, it's not easy if you don't have relationships. So I just really want to echo out there, like if you want to know where can you even begin to start, start with your relationships and documenting what each person brings to the table. It comes back to that resource guide, um, but it's something that really can serve you well. So many excellent points brought here. And for our listeners, if you want to learn more about this coordination that is being done between NYC Service, New York City Emergency Management, the volunteer organizations, Active in Disaster, and so many other partners that help us with our volunteer efforts before, during, and after emergencies, you can visit nyc.gov forward slash help now. So both of you have been involved in a wide range of community and civic engagement efforts and emergency responses. Can you share one of the biggest successes, challenges, and the lessons learned? Mariah, let's start with you. Thank you. One of the biggest successes for for me definitely was an organization called South Bronx Emergency Network. They're located in District 3 of the Bronx, and they just began their organization and network in September of 2019. Um, we They said, hey, could you come in and do some training? We want to educate the other member organizations on the importance of emergency planning. Can you do it? Absolutely. So October of 2019, we began to do the work with them using that community emergency planning toolkit. Um, and we remained in relationship, like me attending those meetings um, bi-weekly, monthly, weekly, whatever it was, me showing up and just being a listening ear as they were forming in in strengthening their organization. Um, but the successful moment was seeing them fill in a need. Now, volunteering is a passion. It's exciting, but it's also 
people's calling and it's also a need oftentimes. And so seeing them say, hey, we're short supplies. We're going to reach out to our elected official, our district manager and community board three, and he's going to help us. And getting that, and they didn't stop there. We're going to be, we're going to table. We're going to table in front of these, these housing developments, and we're going to provide the PPE and also just do mini clips. Nice. can you provide this, this for us? Can you, do you have any booklets that you can provide for us? Do you have any pamphlets that we can print out? Like, let us know. And so seeing them continue to push for and advocate for resources, them attaining those resources, and then them proactively pushing it out to the vulnerable parts of the Bronx that were getting hit really hard during COVID. And they did this work while they were losing their own best friends and loved ones, and they kept going and they continue to do the work now. And so the success is just seeing them feel that need and, and onboard other people and support other organizations as they try to form a, a collective network in the Northeast part of the Bronx as well. Um, and so is that my success? I won't dare claim it, but it's definitely a success within the city because several entities had their hand in supporting South Bronx Emergency Network. So that that's one of the groups that comes to mind as success in that they're not about perfection, they're about progression. And they're about, let's, let's not talk about it, let's be about it, let's do the work. Hey, this is what we need, what can you do? Okay, thank you, and keeping it moving forward. And that's something that's really important during the emergencies. Yeah, Mariah, that's such a great story. I think, you know, for me, I think when I, and, and it's probably because it's just so fresh on the brain, but I, I honestly think standing up the the volunteer coordination task force in this last year, I think it's it's probably one of the biggest things that I've been involved in, in terms of emergency response. Um, and I think, you know, as we were talking before, we had a lot of plans in place and this was the opportunity to really test them. Um, and I think it took so much work, but it it ultimately allowed us to figure things out in real time and see how much we depend on each other, you know, within even like city agencies and, and our, our nonprofit partners, um, you know, and how we all really come together in, in those, those times. Um, and I think because there were so many challenges with it, that any type of, of large scale response, you know, as you can imagine, every day is something new. So it's, it was always really just keeping up with the demands not letting things slip through the cracks because that has real implications if you forget about, you know, a need that's been flagged or anything like that. So, you know, so I think the challenges were always just how do we all come together, keep up on this? Um, but I, I think the biggest lesson that I really learned in all of that, um, that I say to myself all the time, but it became really apparent in this moment is, you know, all you can do some days is just keep putting one foot in front of the other. And that I think it was all of us in this commitment to just keep being put to keep putting one foot in front of the other that got us through it, that, you know, that we continually came together and, you know, had conversations until we worked out a solution. We tried out solutions. If they weren't working, we pivoted and tried something else. And it was just a group where we, we ended up really coming together to figure out these, these seemingly impossible things um, and, and breaking them down into steps where we ended up really, I think, doing some key and important coordination and work in the city. I love these points. It's not about perfection, but progression and to commit to come together um, in in the city's darkest times and even during blue sky times or non-emergency times. So thank you both for sharing. So Laura, NYC Service recently kicked off its annual NYC Volunteers Count Survey. So tell us more about that and why New Yorkers and organizations should be getting involved. 
Yeah, that's such a great thing to to bring up now in National Volunteer Month. So, um, yes, so this is our the annual survey that we put out into uh, into New York City to nonprofits, city agencies. Um, this year, we're also we're really putting a focus on a lot of these more informal groups that Mariah had mentioned earlier in the podcast about um, mutual aid groups. I think were so huge in the last you know twelve fifteen months. Um, they were important before that, but I think really their impact was very much magnified and the power of them was magnified in the last year. So what we've done this year is, um, as I said before, it's an annual survey. It's asking for very basic information and essentially how many volunteers did you engage in 2020? So if you engage volunteers in one way or another, we want you to complete the survey. Um, You don't need to be a formal 501c3, a formal nonprofit. It can be a volunteer-led group that you got together in your community. It could be you got together with your neighbors and. you know, as a, 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 a group and went out and did things. So what we really want is, um, you know, for people to tell us how many people, but then also share, there's uh, three or four different opportunities in there to also share your stories. Um, because I think this year is really important. And, and the report will track 2020, which was just an unprecedented year in so many ways. Um, and I think how we saw it is traditional volunteering, um, you know, and so many of the ways that people were volunteering before, um, it was halted and, and just because of social distancing and different regulations and quarantine and all of these different things. But at the same time, people came together in unprecedented ways um, and, and were really able to meet local needs um, in ways that big systems struggle with. So, um, you know, kind of in, in summary of all of this, we just are really looking for these groups that came together to report in sharing it with us because we want to make sure all of this is documented and on city record, um, you know, that these reports every year are essentially city record. Um, and I think most importantly, to tell these stories in our annual report. Um, I think that it's just, it's so critical that I think, I think a lot of what we've been talking about on this is people see these big things and they're afraid to move forward or don't know how to move forward. And we really want to break down these stories to share that there's just ways people come together in their local community um, and in ways that feel manageable and in ways that are so critically important. Um, So with that, if anybody's interested, you can just go to our website, which is nyc.gov slash service. And there's a feature block there that you can um, kind of one of those scrolling things on our website that you click on and you can go to the survey and you can see the questions that are asked ahead of time to gather all the information um, and really, it's it's probably about a 10-minute survey, um, 10, 15-minute survey once you've gathered all your information. So we'd love to hear with, from as many groups as possible across the city. Um, also want to put a shout out to faith-based groups, um, houses of worship. You know, they certainly can also complete the survey. I think those are really the ways in which I think we're really going to see the depth and breadth across the city from this last year. Laura, thank you so much for, for that. that- and for providing our listeners with a, uh, a way to uh, learn more about NYC service, you've actually taken uh, the next question right out of my mouth. So I'm going to point to Mariah and say, um, how can listeners learn more about uh, getting involved during National Volunteer Month and beyond with some of emergency management's programming? With the emergency management, I definitely encourage you to come to our website and look up CERT. Um, and CERT is made up of a very robust network of adults throughout our five boroughs who who complete a very thorough training and they are able to be on the ground in helping first responders during emergencies, um, whether it be a, a multi-building fire, um, whether it be helping at some of the vaccine pod sites and 
helping being customer service. Um, when we had big pallets of food flooding in, they were part of those initiatives as well. Um, but I often think about the beyond. You know, volunteering is, is, is something that could be a lifelong commitment. And it was something that when I finished City Year New Hampshire um, in 2006, I, I made the commitment of like, I always want service to be in my life. I always want to make sure I'm giving back to others. And so knowing that volunteerism shows up in so many different ways, um, whether you're mentoring an undergrad student or, or mentoring someone in your profession, um, it may be that you are going to your local synagogue or church and you are serving at a pantry. It may be that you are a licensed um, therapist and you want to pro, pro bono give you know five hours a month to someone in your community, but really recognize that you are a resource as a human being and it's a matter of sometimes linking up to an organization that's already doing something. And sometimes it's a matter of within your organization say like, hey, this is a need. We want to increase the literacy rate in our community. We're starting a book club and here's what it looks and feels like. And I need three more volunteers. So with, with the volunteerism beyond just this month, it's really just having that commitment and, and following it through. And maybe maybe a lifelong commitment, it might be too much and overwhelming. So maybe you have a spring commitment. And you say, hey, in the spring, I want to I want to volunteer five hours throughout my community. And so you you jump on to NYC service and see what organizations they're highlighting or New York cares and you register with them, whatever it may be. Or you go to your local organizations that you either were a client with or that you maybe used to work with. And, and you say, hey, I want to give back. What do you have available? That's really such helpful advice for any of us who want to uh, get involved in their local community. So with that, are there any final thoughts either of you would like to share before we go into rapid response? Laura? I think the the final parting thought I'd, I'd say is, um, you know, NYC Service, we are here for our New York City communities. So if you're an individual looking to get engaged, we have things for you if, you know, on our website to look up. We, if you are a nonprofit or a small group, a mutual aid group that's trying to figure out how to manage volunteers, we have resources to help you. We have trainings to help you. Um, so definitely check us out and and definitely reach out. And we are very always very happy to connect with new partners in New York City, um, just really to provide the resources and supports that we have to, to help you with your volunteer efforts. And Mariah, anything else you'd like to highlight? You know, I have to echo with New York City Emergency Management. Um, we also have our CERT volunteer programming, but we also do a lot of work with community and faith-based organizations and networks. And so it's really just to reach out and touch us, reach out and let us know that you're interested and we can arrange trainings for your organization specifically. Um, we can invite you um, to what's going on. We have a weekly newsletter that happens every Wednesday um, that provides updates of what's happening throughout the city. Um, but something, Brian, that really stands out is just, for me, it's just a reminder of really make sure that you are willing to collaborate, communicate and connect with others like that. That is the common theme and the thread of what we've been able to do when partnering with NYC Service and New York Cares and the VOADs, the COADs and the local organizations is that we're leveraging relationships, but we're also willing to collaborate, connect and communicate. Um, and so use those skill sets in order to really get yourself organized. Um I always say there's unity in community, literally when you spell it out. Um, but knowing that, you know, when we work together, we're able to accomplish more. When we work together, we are able to accomplish more. Mariah, thank you for that. Speaking with Mariah Washington and Laura Rogg about volunteering during National Volunteer Month and beyond. 
It is rapid response time. And if you are a first-time listener, it's simple. Prep Talk will ask questions and our guests will give the first answer that comes to mind. Before we go into rapid response, here is a message from Notify NYC. New Yorkers love to be the first to know. That's why the city of New York has Notify NYC. So you can be the first to know when an emergency happens. If there's a fire in your neighborhood, or the weather takes a turn for the worse. Stay informed with Notify NYC. Get the free app today for your Apple or Android device. You can also visit nyc.gov slash notify NYC, call 311, or follow Notify NYC on Twitter. Because a notified New Yorker is a prepared New Yorker. It's time for Prep Talk Rapid Response. What is one emergency item that you cannot live without? Laura, let's start with you. I mean, does anybody say anything other than duct tape? (laughs) I think that that's certainly it. (laughs) It fixes everything. That is a prep talk first. We have never had anybody say duct tape. Get out. I just feel like everybody would have said it. That is hysterical. Well, good. I'm glad to be the first. My late grandfather would love that answer. Mariah, what about you? Flashlight so you can see. Great answers right there. Uh, Mariah, what is the best advice you ever see? Never settle. Perfect. Laura? Um, I learned this under the first chief service officer I worked for. Um, when you're not sure what to say, tell the truth. Always good advice. Um, Laura, what is on your playlist? Robin. Pretty much all the time. <laughs> Great. Mariah? I've been rocking out to Jasmine Sullivan. Both great answers, and I'm definitely going to have to play that after we wrap. Last but not least, sum up the work you do in one word, Laura. Oh my gosh, probably complex. I think that definitely sums everything, (laughs) everything up in one. Fair point, Mariah. Connect. Wonderful. So speaking with Mariah Washington and Laura Rogg about volunteering, volunteering is a passion, it's a calling, and it's a part of life. So it's important to collaborate, connect, and communicate. Uh, You can get involved now and throughout the year. So you could visit nyc.gov slash service, nyc.gov slash emergency management, or nyc.gov slash help now to get involved in your community today. That's this episode of Prep Talk. If you like what you heard, you can listen anytime online or through your favorite RSS feed. Until next time, stay safe and prepared.